This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Now, if you hire a nanny, a house cleaner, or a caregiver, and you live in Chicago, you are required to provide them with a written contract in their preferred language that spells out wages and hours and the terms of employment. Now, this law has been on the books for over a year, but there's not a ton of compliance. So we're going to learn about why these contracts are required and what you need to know whether you are an employee or employer. Anya Jukabek is a domestic worker organizer with Arise Chicago, and she joins us now. Welcome, Anya. Welcome. And also here, Esther Yunji Kang, reporter on WBEZ's Race, Class, and Communities Desk. Hey, Esther. Hey, Sasha. So I'll start with you, Anya. Tell us, why write these contracts? Like, what purpose do they serve for the workers? I would say to formalize and uh, clear the communication uh, between employee and employer. Uh, formalize in a way to uh, make sure that employer understands the position of the worker, um, especially for domestic workers. Uh, this brings the attention to their workplace, which is somebody else's home. Mm-hmm. So a very often an employer doesn't feel the need of um, having a contract because somebody works in their home, uh, not the workplace that they will imagine. However, the home is the workplace for domestic worker. Yeah, I mean, there are inherent power Im- imbalances between the employer and the employee, right? But what are some of uh, that are particular in the domestic space? Like, how can contracts help to address some of those imbalances between the employer and the employee? Well, the contract uh, um, protects both of them, in a way, Uh, employer and employee. Um, They know clear understanding of the work duty, uh, but whatever money they make and they have to spend on the domestic worker is there. The time uh, that the worker is working, the hours, uh, conditions, you can add a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. uh, in a contract. Um, And this is up to them uh, how specific they want it to be. What are some examples of some details that you've seen before? Um, I always describe uh, contracts um, as the communication tool and partnering between employer and employee as as the perfect couple. So it depends really uh, what are your needs. Uh, uh, you need to match with the other person. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, on the contract trainings that we do, uh, I give the example of the um, nanny that will work um, during the um, school year but want to have off summer for travel. Right, and that's and, very specific. And that's very specific. And uh, this is the perfect match for the teachers. For example, yeah. so so those things are need to be explained up front, so they know they understand that this person desires that and this person is in need of this kind of particular schedule. Yeah, um, the way they they end up the work. So let's say from eight to six, uh, employer needs to know that if somebody works from eight to six, uh, because they need to get to work and come back usually between uh, nine and, and five. Right. So you add those extra hours, but altogether in a week of work is 50 hours, which means that there are 10 hours overtime and we can't overtime I time see. and a half. So once you so put you this on really the paper... So you can really get down mm-hmm. to the nitty-gritty yes. of how things will work. Exactly. So talk more, Esther, about what purpose these contracts then serve for the employers. Sure. Yeah, just like Anya said, um, it, it actually protects 
uh, employers from bad workers too, right? If mm-hmm. if the employer says, "Hey, these are my expectations um, for when you clean um, this this home," you said it very clear, and and you you know the the employee can go back to that document and say, "Hey." This is these are the things I need to clean and this is how I need to do it. And especially given that these contracts are to be provided in the worker's primary language, it's 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 all there. Um, whereas some things that are verbal, you may not be able to catch, you know, as a as a worker. And so right. this is all just to sort of set very clear expectations on on both sides. Now, you spoke with the director of the National Domestic Workers Alliance, Ai-jen Poo, who said that the very word that's often used to describe domestic work which is help, right. it devalues right. this work, right? Explain that. And what could professionalizing this workforce do? Yeah, I think the idea is that the way you describe, you know, domestic work is, like you said, help, right? right. And the so, help. It, yeah, it yeah. doesn't sound like an actual profession. And, you know, Ai-jen uh, Poo was saying that this is a profession for millions of people across the U.S. Here in the uh, Chicago area, they, one report says about 56,000 workers who do this. And and for for them to be treated as just the help, oh, this is very informal. Um, I think there's a lot of working uh, for cash, too. And so you mm-hmm. kind of just feel like, no, this isn't a real job. But yes, it is. And in fact, um, accepting cash as a form of payment can also be part of the contract like that. That can go in the contract as well. I and see. so there's just the, been this history of devaluing um you know, domestic workers, and and that's what a contract is, uh, you know, trying to address. Um, and let's be real, they tend most often to be women. And people of color. And exactly. people of color. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. How did the ordinance, which mandates these contracts, how did that come to be last January, Anya? Um, the ordinance... Um, we were ready for the ordinance to come, and we kind of gear up for it. Uh, we thought that we were going to be flooded um, with domestic workers. Um, RI Chicago is an organization that has a lot of members as domestic workers. We train them to become the contract specialists. Okay. And, um, um, and we didn't have that many uh, seeking a help. Uh, there is more just asking if something like that exists. Um, but we were absolutely ready, and we're still ready. We are ready uh, to help to prepare the contract, uh, at least guide people how to do it. And these contracts, they apply to part-time workers too? Yes. They do? For anybody. So we have been talking about this. I've been t- it's talking about how this ordinance has been in effect since January of 2022, but not many people have complied, right? It is hard, I think, to track how many employers have written these contracts. Talk about why that is. Why is it hard for us to figure out how many people have complied? Um, the contract does not, uh, not have to be reported anyway. Uh, it stays in the private home. And when I say ah. private home, that's the issue. There are no uh, places that you can go and, and, and do the survey how many people have the contract unless you're going to go to the um, parks and search for nannies or uh, tall buildings and wait for the cleaners to get out or uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, some so that agencies. would be to me why people feel like, oh, this this must be optional. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is that what we're running into here then? Yes. Or just people don't know about it. That's another reason. Like Awareness. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my I've been working on this story for months and my husband read this story and he said, oh, I didn't know. No. You know, that, I didn't know how- until we first brought you on Reset <laughs> exactly. to talk about it. Um, did you hear anything from the city on this, Esther? 
Yeah, so the city has said that it's worked with partners like uh, like Arise to do outreach to workers. Um, they're trying to educate workers about their rights, and not just about this contract provision, but like you know their minimum wage and 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 pay, you know time off and stuff like that. But um, the city also pointed me to the website. It's also done an awareness campaign, but it's always a question of resources, right? Like Anya's group is always trying to push the city to do more um, awareness campaigns so more people can know about this law. Um, but it's a question of resources. And so, so far, the Department of Business Affairs and Consumer Protection um, within the city, the BACP, it said that this, the office has received 10 complaints related to the ordinance since January 2022. Ooh, complaints like what? Complaints saying that a worker saying, you know, I asked for this contract and my, my employer said no or just ignored me or fired me or that kind of thing. I see. So that's just 10 since January 2022. And then in general, what I've been hearing is people are like, I have never heard of this this ordinance. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, and doing this work every day, Anya, I mean, what's it like for you? The fact that there is no awareness of this, right? Do you fit In your line of work, do you find that you're constantly like explaining yourself or just like trying to educate more people? Yes. I think it creates more work for you. Uh, yes. And, uh, you know, this is a part of my work. Uh, you know, we do educate people. We do educate domestic workers. We create the workers' uh, free space of education and schooling and workshops and such. Um, we train our workers to go and educate. We have a group of leaders, like I mentioned, the contract specialists, mm-hmm. that they will go out and they will pass information. But um, this is still not enough. And uh, I just want to say that even if we educate a lot of workers, it's still the burden of asking for contract lays on them. And that's the issue, which means that they will go and ask for contract. And if employer says no, then they're stuck. They're stuck. They have two options. They can uh, still fight for it and file the complaint, but they also risk of retaliation, which is really hard to prove. Um, unless employer will fire you here and now. Have, after you, have you heard of cases of, of employers retaliating against workers requesting these contracts? Um, we uh, actually um, have some suspicious uh, <laughs> situations that we might pull out that th- this was a retaliation um, because, you know, if something happened, it's, it's hard to prove it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the problem. Yeah. Is there a penalty, Esther, for uh, employers who don't provide a domestic worker with a contract? Yes. The penalty, of course, is dependent upon the domestic worker filing a complaint, and then there's an investigation by the Office of Labor Standards. And so if they prove that Jeez, how long does that take? <laughs> oh, gosh. Don't even ask me. Um, you know, the violation uh, can be fined between 500 and $1,000 for each time. So there is a fine, but... There's so many steps that need to be taken to, to even get to that place. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of workers don't even bother because they're scared and, you know, they just don't think it's there's any point to it. Yeah. On the flip side, Anya, have you heard from employers who have found this helpful? I spoke with a couple employers and they were very um, eager to go and check the contracts that we have on website. Uh, and they said that this is uh, something that might actually help them uh, to make the workplace better. Uh, either they did or not, uh, I have no knowledge. Yeah. So, Esther, you talked with a domestic worker, as you mentioned. She did ask her employer for a contract. I mean, tell us more, because now she's seeking work 
outside of the city. Is that right? Yeah. So I so spoke. It didn't to, go well. No, no, not too great. Um, I spoke to uh, a house cleaner. Her name is Magdalena Morovsa, and she has been cleaning houses since the 1990s. So she's been doing this for a long time, and she's really good at it. And, you know, there's this one family that she was cleaning for for years. She asked the employer, hey, there's this law. Can you, you know, do this contract so it can protect both sides? Days later, the family let her go. Now, they did say, you know what, we have a college-age daughter who's staying with us, and she can do some of the cleaning, and we don't really need you right now. And so, and, and that's what's so hard about this, right? So for Magdalena, it's like, I feel like this was related to the contract request, but you can't prove it, you mm-hmm. know? And um, that she, she just thinks it was a little bit of a coincidence, or a little bit of odd timing there, and not yeah. a coincidence. So. Yeah, it's it's that's really a tough, tough position to, to be in too, where you can't prove it, but you're like, hmm, exactly. Had I not asked for this, would I be getting exactly. let go days later? Exactly. What do you say, Anya, to someone who says, "Look, I have had the same house cleaner, I've had the same nanny for years. We've never had a contract. Everything's fine. It's working fine." I say that when we look back, uh, we remember when people were driving cars and there was no driving license required. Once law is changing, we need to adjust. You need Uh, to get up to the times. So (laughs) exactly the same. My metaphor works perfectly with this. You need to follow the law. And uh, that's the law. Uh, Either you like it or not, it's a legal bonding. Yeah. Where else has this been tried? Is there other cities? So this is relatively new. I mean, San Francisco and Philadelphia have laws that kind of, you know, require contracts too. But Before uh, we did? uh, Around the same time. I think like 2020 was a year for for a lot of these things. But yeah, yeah, but the the issue there too is that, I mean, I think they're also facing similar things of like lack of awareness, but also just the challenges. And so um, nationally, their efforts to kind of, create this domestic workers uh, bill of lights, uh, rights, not create, but like update and constantly mm-hmm. improve. And it's just slow going. And um, this is just because this field of work has been sort of, you know, exempt in a way mm-hmm. from labor laws for, for centuries. Right? I wonder how this slipped under the radar for so long. Well, mainly because this is uh, the work that is done in somebody's house, which is very, very private. Uh, so nobody has this feeling uh, that needs to be uh, legalized in a, such a way that... People don't think of it as a professional setting. No, mm-hmm. no. They think about having a help at home. Um, and um, this is the work done by women, um, majority immigrant, uh, women of color, um, and um, I don't want to say that they are voiceless, but their voice is not heard enough. Um, so is that why easy. you do the work that you do? Yes, yes, that's what I do. Uh, um, I feel like women need more voice, and at this profession, uh, it seems like this is one of the most growing profession, domestic work. Um, so we really need to put attention because there, because there is more and more of nannies, caregivers, and cleaners needed. Mm-hmm. Um, so making this profession professional, uh, we are uh, um, going forward to make sure that people are trained, 
uh, people are ready, not only with knowledge of your workers' rights, yeah. uh, but we offer many other stuff, yeah. you know, how to clean ecologically or, you know, what does it mean to be a nanny at the workplace, how to communicate. So you're covering all facets of this. Yes. That's great. Um, and, and as Esther mentioned, the contract needs to be written in the workers' preferred language, right? And you, uh, I understand you have sample contracts available on your website. Yes. English, Spanish, and Polish. Um, so if someone needs it in a, a different language, do they just run it through Google Translate or do you offer translation services? How does that work? We do not offer uh, translation. However, we could help of finding the right translation. The burden of providing contract with a different language, again, lies on the employer, not employee. Um, however, you know, if there is a need, they need to look for somebody who does this professionally. I'm, I'm sure that they can reach out to us and we can figure things out. Can these contracts be handwritten? Yes. Okay. So that works as well? Yes. And legally binding? And legally binding. Both parties need to sign. If they wish to have the third party as a witness, they could. So uh, it, it doesn't yeah. necessarily need to be notarized? or No. And as you said, it actually doesn't need to be turned into the city, which is the part no. that I'm baffled. Yeah. <laughs> it needs to exist. It just needs to exist. It needs to exist. Um, on the contract that we have uh, on our website, uh, I, I, I always said that this is not contract per se. This is just the enormous list of things that could be in a contract. But I want to pay attention to first and the last page. The last page is the proof for employer signed by employee that the contract was delivered and they handled to them. Something that, uh, you know, employer can hold on if it's accused of not providing the contract. Uh, What I always say also to both parties to uh, think about the contract of almost like a living thing, you know, um, domestic work is so specific and uh, is a changing thing, also has an expiration date. So when you work, well, maybe with exception of cleaners, yeah. but if you are a caregiver and nanny, things are changing constantly. Absolutely. Uh, the kids, child the is kids growing. Are, exactly. The kids are getting older. Yes. The parents are getting or um, elderly or disabled getting older. Um, so, so you need to adjust. Um, our advice is to adjust contract once in a while to make sure that it's current. Um, for our cleaners, I always say, you know, if there is new changes in the house, you need to adjust the contract as well. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So these contracts, uh, as we've talked about, uh, they don't need a lawyer then, right? It sounds like this is a simple Correct. You don't process. need a lawyer. No. And I would say Arise would say, they, they, you don't, you really sh- should probably not need one at all. Like you no. can just make this very simple. And really, the city only mandates wage um, schedule in in their preferred language, and so it's pretty simple. You can add, pick, and choose from that huge list that Anya was talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. But it can be really simple, and that's the thing. It shouldn't be this heavy lift that people feel like intimidated by. You know, it's a simple thing that really helps both sides, particularly protects workers that just have need been more ignored. compliance. Yeah. Yeah. As simple as it is, right? Yeah. That's Esther Yunji Kang from WBEZ and Anya Jakubek with Arise Chicago. Thank you both so much. Thank Thanks you so much. Sasha.